As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. The Bills got back on track this time around. They defeat the New York Jets by a whopping score of 45-17. to The Bills, you know, they, they answered all the questions I think a lot of people had for them going into this week. Of course, the opponent necessarily wasn't the best in the world, but uh, they handle their business nonetheless. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, as uh, always for these post-game editions, are, is uh, Matt Beauvais, the sports director at Channel 7, WKBW in Buffalo. And the Bills, yeah, they they handled their business. The defense did the same exact thing as uh, as they did last time around when, when we left them in Jacksonville, Florida. But this time around, the offense kind of got things back on track, and we'll get into all of that as the uh, as the episode kind of rolls on here. You know, specific ways that they utilize things, how Sean McDermott was impressed by certain ways that uh, that the Bills' offense were were operating. So we'll get into all that. But Matt Bovey, when uh, you know, I, I ask you this on most episodes, but when you think about this this game and and uh, everything that kind of brought along with it. What was the first thing that kind of popped out to you to be like, okay, this is the reason that the Bills uh, were able to win so convincingly? I want to say the offense, and I know the defense had five takeaways in this game, and they were once again great. I mean, 14 of the 17 points that the Jets scored were essentially in garbage time. But for me, the storyline going into this game was how is the offense going to respond? And I think they stepped up in a big way. And for a little bit, didn't look like that was going to be the case. You know, they came out firing. They score a touchdown on their first possession of the game. That's great. And then they stall out for a little bit. And I think some fans were like, oh, no, here we go again. And I really think the turning point of this game was at the end of the first half when, you know, Allen goes back to digs on back-to-back plays. They get the touchdown. And then at that point, they essentially scored – 28 unanswered I believe it was with those points and then going into the third quarter so for me it was how the offense responded after a couple games where they struggled I mean they put up 45 points that's a lot and like we mentioned on the podcast last week and like we talked about in practice a couple times this week it's not like the Jets defense is terrible it's not very good, but it's not the worst defense in the NFL by any stretch. So it was nice to see the Bills kind of get back to what they're, you know, we're used to them being able to do against a, let's say, formidable defense. Yeah, I think them being able to uh, get Stefan Diggs going was a huge component, not only for them, but probably for the rest of their season. And Diggs was that guy today. I mean, he was excellent running his routes. He was taking advantage of specific opportunities. The Jets cornerback group stink, if if we're being honest, and they're inexperienced. I mean, Bryce Hall is a is an okay talent right now. That's a guy that a lot of Bills fans wanted them to draft uh, not too long ago. But when you look at their cornerback room, 
in totality. They've got a late round guy in Michael Carter as their nickel. Um, and then their their other starting cornerback got hurt, and then they had to bring in a backup for that, and that was that that play where the Bills went after that backup cornerback twice in the end zone on a fade route. The first one, Diggs barely didn't get his foot in, and then the second one, he didn't leave any room for interpretation and brought in uh, the touchdown. So Diggs was a huge part of the day, and he, to me, was... Uh, a big piece of the puzzle, but I think what is more interesting than just Diggs, because you look at the statue and you're like, oh, Diggs had a huge day, that they got on the same page, that's why they were able to do what they did. But it's it's never really that simple with football, and it's also somewhat simple in the way that you find the answers too. I mean, that's why it's such a it's such an interesting game. So I think the one comment that stood out to me uh, after the game was Sean McDermott, uh, you know, really being effusive in his praise for Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, saying he he felt like Dable called a really strong game. And the the little comment that he gave was he he gave the offense a different look. And there are specific ways that he went about that, but I think what really stood out as I was going through and tracking snaps throughout the game is the fact that the Bills went heavier personnel almost more than any other game. I would have to go back and look, but they went heavy personnel, which is at least um, two tight ends or, you know, a, a tight end slash fullback, tight end slash offensive lineman, that, that sort of heavy personnel. They did that on over 50% of the team snaps. And when you when you isolate those snaps and what they were able to do, when they had... A two tight end, whether it be a fullback tight end or offensive lineman, they were averaging over 10 yards per play. And when you isolate that even further to just two tight ends slash fullback, take the offensive line out of the equation because most of that is, is short yarded stuff. They, they ran that 23 times and they were able to, uh, to gain over 250 yards for a yards per play of, I believe, 11.3, which is stupid good. Really ridiculous. And I think what, what helped them throughout all of this was to allow the defense to kind of have that threat to run. And even when they went the, with these heavier personnel, over the first, I think it was 19 snaps, they only ran the ball six times. So they had the threat to run. They had all the heavies up there. The Jets didn't really know how to defend them because they didn't really see this look from the Bills. And that was the way that the Bills kind of stayed a step ahead. So by all means, I believe that's what Sean McDermott was talking about, giving uh, giving the Bills offense a different look. And that's kind of why they were able to do uh, and, and keep the Jets uh, off balance a bit uh, early on and then sustaining it throughout the game. I really liked, and this was what we saw a lot last year, and Stefan Diggs is one of the best receivers in the NFL, and he proved that last year. But what I really liked today was how just in sync he and Josh Allen were in this game, and it was throws with anticipation, letting your player go make a play because you trust him in that situation. There was a play down the sideline where Allen just threw a perfect ball at the end of the half, and that ultimately set up the Diggs touchdown. And those are the kind of plays that they were hitting last year because there's just so much chemistry there. But then there were also the plays when, you know, Diggs, before he even had turned his hips and snapped his head back towards the quarterback, Allen had let go of the ball because he knows that his guy is going to make the right move at the right time, and he's the better player than the guy he's lined up against. And that's why he's giving him the chance. And the same thing with the fade. Like, it didn't work on the first one. His foot just goes out of bounds. They like the matchup, they're going to attack. And it feels like they really did make a concerted effort to try and get Diggs more involved. That was one of the things that Josh said after the game. He was like, yeah, going into this matchup, we knew we wanted to have Stefan more involved than he's been. And he's, you know, arguably their best player on offense. If it's not Josh Allen, it's Stefan Diggs, 1A and 1B. And today they really looked like that. And that's a good sign for the Bills moving forward. And I think another good sign for the Bills moving forward, and this goes to the bigger picture of the snap counts that you were talking about, with all the heavy personnel and everything like that. You know, last week or two weeks ago, rather, you know, two weeks ago, it was Cole Beasley. It was his big day against the Dolphins. He was the guy making plays. Well, it feels like now every week we're talking about somebody a little bit different, and I think that is good. And I don't mean to say, like, 
you know, you want your stars to be the guys who step up every single week, but there are going to be games when it is kind of the random guy who comes in. Like Gabriel Davis today had far and away his most productive game of the season this year, and that was nice to see that, like, they can still count on him when they need him to. Once again, Cole Beasley kind of pushed to the back burner. Emmanuel Sanders not nearly as involved as he's been in some other games. So I really like from just a strictly passing standpoint the versatility that we saw today, and I like that Allen is once again trusting, you know, Stefan Diggs to be Stefan Diggs. Yeah, and I've got some wide receiver takes uh, based off this game and really what we've been seeing. So remind me to to come up, come along back to uh, to that side of things after we move on from Diggs a little bit. Um, there's no doubt that they need him to be a huge piece to the puzzle because when he is involved and they are getting him going as well as they did, and and certainly maybe even to a lesser degree. I mean, they, they don't really need 162 yards or whatever it was for him to be as impactful as he was. But, you know, high target numbers, these, these are all things that the Bills should be looking to do weekly. My biggest question about this whole uh, getting digs involved the way that they did, is, is it sustainable is the biggest thing that I'm kind of thinking about. And there's a lot of different reasons why, you know, I'm kind of wondering whether or not it's sustainable for them. Because, first of all, teams have been kind of keeping that duo of Allen and Diggs in check for, for quite a bit now. And this was the first explosion game to where he, he really stood out. But moving forward, I kind of wonder, because you have to factor in the opponent, and the secondary was not good. The Bills also did something to completely flip their tendency and and upend everything that they had put on film uh, before this game. So there was also an element of surprise to which the Jets really didn't know how to handle things going from there. And the other part to this is why it has me wondering whether or not it's sustainable, is, and this is the first time I've wondered this all season, and this will lead us eventually to our to my hashtag receiver takes, is whether or not the Bills have the pieces at receiver that can keep the attention away from Stefan Diggs. And that's kind of a, a slight concern here. Um, and you don't want to get too carried away because they literally just blew out the Jets 45-17. to 17. But Diggs was a huge piece of that puzzle. And if you're stopping Stefan Diggs, like let's say... Uh, the next defensive game plan is to totally thwart Stefan Diggs. Who's the guy that that steps up and, and has that huge game? Because when you look at what has happened recently, I mean, Beasley stepped up a couple of games ago, and, and, and that was good. But now he's kind of injured um, and hasn't been playing a ton. Emmanuel Sanders, over his last three games, has only six receptions for 92 yards. He's also 34 years old. Gabriel Davis... They allowed a 34-year-old wide receiver to take basically all of his snaps from last season. So that's, before I get into those hashtag receiver takes, like I said, that's kind of what I'm thinking about, whether or not they they can keep this moving forward. Because now what they did is on tape. That is now part of their identity. And now they have to kind of stay ahead of the curve. Brian Dable has to stay ahead of the curve and to see if they can actually sustain this explosive offensive firepower um, and and figure out if Stefan Diggs can be that true dynamic every week guy that uh, that can perform for you no matter what. I think he can. I agree with what you're saying to an extent. I think that their receiver room is still really deep and in a good place, but I also think that they're one injury away from, you know, really having a problem, especially if that potentially happens to Stefan Diggs because he is such a game changer. I guess you could say that really, though, about most teams in the NFL because I do think that the complement of players that they've put together is impressive. And for me, Gabriel Davis is an interesting one because, you know, he had a strong game today. He made some nice catches. He made some nice plays. And I think most times when he's been, you know, thrown into situations where he needs to step up, he's done a good job of that. And it's funny because we're getting ready for, you know, Colts week now. And I think back to that game against the Colts in the playoffs last year, and Gabriel Davis was unbelievable in that game with some of the plays that he's made. So, yeah, it's, you know, 
I understand where you're coming from. And that also brings us to the conversation of like, should the Bills have tried to sign Odell Beckham? Because that was something on social media that a lot of people were talking about before he ended up going to the Rams. And, you know, I am of the belief that you can never, ever, ever have too many weapons. But at the same time, you know, I understand that guy probably wants to go to a place where one, he can win a Super Bowl and two, where he can be, you know, like the feature guy. Even if it is, you know, when he signed, Robert Woods was still healthy and Cooper Cup is just an absolute monster. But those two players do very different things than what he does. So I don't know how he would have fit into this offense, but it is certainly an interesting conversation to have because the Bills certainly checked the box of Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I I don't think they ever were going to be in, a, in on Odell. I just, it's just, it kind of seemed like a, a non-starter because they they do have a bunch of players at receiver, but uh, and and even though they might have some troubles there, I think I think they would just rather trust those guys than than go get Odell and kind of like you know it would be like them adding another defensive end to their roster. It it just wouldn't make a ton of sense based on based on their roster setup at the moment. But that leads to the the receiver takes portion of the program. The first thing that I wanted to bring up more than anything um, is Cole Beasley because two games ago, we saw him go off for 10 plus catches. I think he had 110 yards and he was like the big component of that game plan against Miami. And and he was the reason that the offense was, was able to get it going in the second half there for them to put the game away. But against Jacksonville, he was... Even though they threw it to him a bunch early on, he was basically a non-factor. Like his yards per target, uh, average depth of target last week was on those first, I think six or seven targets was like under two yards, and his season-long average was around six. Um, ended up with eight catches for 33 yards. Just never really seemed like he was. Uh, he got going, and he kind of seemed a bit slow. And that that's. That's kind of been a piece of his game of his game for the season, and it's something to track because he's also in his thirties. And when the uh, the speed and the uh, the shiftiness kind of goes, then then you don't really know what you have in him any longer. But late in that Jacksonville game, like we mentioned last week, he only played on one of the final eighteen or nineteen snaps, uh, which all came in the fourth quarter, and they could have definitively used him uh, down the stretch in that game. And he just, he must have been banged up from something that happened because he's been having this ribs, these ribs injuries and, uh, and he's he's had to be limited at practice because of it. Did not practice on Wednesday of this week leading up to this Jets game. So there's a, there's a lot to consider there. And then when you couple that with how the Bills used him today, you're starting to think to yourself, okay, there's something going on here because Cole Beasley in this game was at his season low for snaps. Beasley only took 11 snaps in this game, most of which came on one drive right at the end of the uh, of the first half. I think he got six there. Beasley did not take a single snap in the second half of that game. Even though the Bills, the game was still going on, he did not take a single snap, and if you looked down uh, at the sideline in the fourth quarter, you would see you saw the the big trench coat over over his pads. I think his his shoes were untied, like he was entrenched uh, on the sidelines. Like there was no going back in for him, even when Isaiah McKenzie uh, had a scare with an injury. Like Beasley was not going back in that game. So it it's fair to wonder if the Bills would be better off right now. Of and this is something I wrote about at the Athletic in my post game observations. It's fair to wonder whether or not they would be better off sitting him for the next couple of games because up next you've got the Colts and you've got the Saints and those are two like you know average to above average teams. The Colts have played much better as of late. The Saints, you know, they're kind of weird because they're well coached and they have a good defense, but the offense is kind of weird <laughs> like they have Trevor Simeon starting for them but yet they're still uh right in the midst of games they just lost to Tennessee by only a couple of points even though Trevor Simeon's their starting quarterback so when you have those two games on deck and then and those happening on, in a in an 11 day span 
And then you have uh, a break until your next game, which is the Monday night game against uh, the New England Patriots on Monday, December 6th, I think it is. Um, I think it would be strongly be in the Bills' best interest if maybe they just let Beasley rest over these next two weeks because he means so much more to them uh, down the stretch of the season than the Colts and the Saints games. And while it would be a short-term loss, it could be a potential long-term gain to get him back healthy. And if they were they were to go about it this way, that would essentially be giving him a 22-day rest in between the game he played today, which was not much, and the game against New England, it, where it could really count uh, at home uh, for the AFC East, potentially, division crown. So I, I just, Beasley has been so non-effective that, or ineffective, I should say, that it's just, I think, I think it might be in their best interest to sit him at this point. It makes you wonder, what he even played today for? Because of the little usage right. that he got. Like, you know, if you're going to basically give him the day off, unless he potentially re-aggravated something that we just that don't could be know it too. about. If he, but the yeah. thing is, like, like when you look at his snap count, like looking at it early in the game, he was like sporadically involved. And some of it was game plan because they did a lot of heavy personnel and only two wide receivers were on the field. But not to the point that he should only be getting four snaps before the end of the second quarter. Like that that should never be a thing with with a guy who is as important to them. But it was. And then to sit out the entire second half, even though they were starting to do a bit more 11 personnel stuff. It's just, it was, it was very intriguing to me that, uh, that they, that they sat him and maybe that was kind of the way that they had anticipated going through it the entire game anyway. So yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of a thing to track here because uh, he, he should, he should be on the field more, even though they, they ran as many heavy personnel sets as they did. Okay, so let's say for the sake of conversation that they do ultimately sit him down for a little bit, or he's injured and he's just unavailable for a little bit. Do you think they continue with the heavy personnel and we see a lot of the looks that we saw today? Do you think there's a possibility that they try and maybe move Emmanuel Sanders inside a little bit and then put Gabriel Davis on the outside? Do you think that becomes the Isaiah McKenzie spot and they try yeah. and use him in similar situations that they've used Cole in the past? You know, we've seen Isaiah step up in those situations at times but obviously, you know, there's a different skill set to an extent there. And Isaiah McKenzie, not for anything, was slow to get up. Now, they did say today that he was cleared to return to the game if he would have needed to. So that's obviously. No, he got back very... in. He oh, was back he in. Okay, so there you yeah, go. So yeah, he, comes he did a in. kickoff return. Oh, was it at the uh, two minute warning after yep. they scored for the Davis Webb? place mm -hmm. okay yeah I was in the media room for that one just waiting to hear from the uh, Bills after their big win but yeah no I, I'm curious what they'll do I, I agree with you though because I do think that you know even though these next two opponents for the Bills are tough opponents like I think the Colts are a good team and I think Jonathan Taylor is an absolute problem in the way that the Bills have you know I, I don't want to say struggled stopping the run because for the most part it's been better this year than in years past but still it's an area of somewhat concern and Jonathan Taylor's really good and then as far as the Saints are concerned like they always just seem to have a good team even with you know Trevor Simeon being their quarterback so I think that these are tough games coming up for the Bills but I think that they're games that they can win even without Cole Beasley and for the greater good that's something that they should consider because this team mm -hmm. isn't worried about you know, let's say an extra win, right? Yeah, they want to have the best seed possible. They want to potentially have home field advantage in the playoffs if it gets to that point. But more than anything, they want to be fully healthy in those playoff games when it matters the most. And I think that this might be a smart decision for them. I, it's not something yeah. that I thought about, so it's a very good point that you brought up. Yeah, here's the other piece to the puzzle, too. I think two of their, their top three receivers right now are well in their 30s. Right, because Beasley's 32, I think he'll be 33 soon, um, and then Sanders is 34. And when you look at just the the scope of a season, you want those guys to be fresh and ready by the time the playoffs get here, because it's now a 17 game season. If the Bills don't get the first round by, then that means they're going to have to be playing what's that four more playoff games if they're if they're going to make it all the way. So that's 21 games. And if we're just looking at it from the long term, like you want to keep these guys fresh. 
And this is this all goes back to the Stefan Diggs sustainability point, right? Because when you have Stefan Diggs playing as big and important as a role as he is, you need someone there to help take the pressure off of him. And that's where it kind of leads me to Emmanuel Sanders, because Emmanuel Sanders has been basically the running mate for Stefan Diggs. He's been, he started every single game on the boundary. Um, he's been you know high snap count guy the entire season heading into this game he he got 83% of the offensive snaps through the first 8 games which is a huge number especially considering he's 34 like like he's not he takes care of his body very well obviously otherwise he wouldn't still be playing and still being effective the way that he is but like you're 34 you're probably going to lose a step especially when it's getting colder too so my my thing is we've seen him kind of drop back a bit and he dropped a pass today. He's not like the best blocker for running plays or screens. I think for the overall sustainability, not only for Stefan Diggs, but also for Emmanuel Sanders to be able to peak in the postseason when they need him to and to avoid a John Brown situation like they had last year. I think it's a really interesting, well not interesting, I think it would be the, the best approach if they were to take something off of Sanders' plate throughout the rest of the season. Like, they don't need this guy to be out there 83% of the snaps, 85-plus percent of the snaps. The The counterbalance to that is you have a young guy that, that you touched on earlier in Gabriel Davis, who I think is ready to contribute a lot more than he is right now. From what I've seen from him throughout practices, throughout games, I see a guy that is ready for a bigger role and for them to maybe try and figure out who this guy is going forward. And this this uh, checks a lot of boxes here because not only by, like, let's say the proposal is, okay, take about 10 to 15% off of Emmanuel Sanders' plate. That puts him at around, what, 65% of snaps? I think that's a good number for him. If you were to give those all to Gabriel Davis, that brings him up to about 50% of snaps. So that way, you have this more explosive, fresher-legged young player in Gabriel Davis who is probably your best deep threat and um, has gotten much better as a route runner, has really strong hands, as he proved by making a circus catch along the sideline. And from there, you also have these these certain elements to his game. Like when things break down and Josh Allen gets outside the pocket and he starts to improvise, I think Gabriel Davis is one of the best uh, on the Bills receiving roster to be able to work back and, and find the open space and find the angle for Josh Allen. So by putting a bit more on his plate and a bit less on, on Sanders' plate, Oh, yeah, by the way, Gabriel Davis is also probably the best blocking receiver that they have on the roster that they should give time to. So we need to have all of these different things kind of saying, okay, well, if you give Gabriel Davis his time on the field, not only are you keeping Emmanuel Sanders fresher to where he can be more effective, you're giving this second-year receiver a chance to be explosive and to kind of like take some attention away from Stephon Diggs. And also, you get to find out whether or not he's your guy moving forward because you have uh, Sanders, who is a free agent at the end of the at the end of the season. Cole Beasley, if he's lost a step, they can easily get it out from his contract, and he's a slot receiver anyway. So if you can figure out if Davis can be a starter for you um, next year and still you know and still have a good amount of reps going to a guy you really like in Emmanuel Sanders, then I think that's that's a win win here. And with the optimal goal of Hey, have all these guys ready and uh, ready to ready to do all these uh, things for you in the postseason when it matters. I hate you because as you were saying all of those, th- I love you first off, but I hate <laughs> you because as you were saying all of those things, I was sitting here going, man, I hope he doesn't talk about you know figuring out what they have moving forward because of. I'm going to make that point, and then you did it right at the end. But 100%, I think that's very important. Of course, 
they want to win a Super Bowl this year, but they also want to be a Super Bowl contender and win a lot of Super Bowls. And they need a strong team, not just now, but in the future to do that. And I think Gabriel Davis is a really nice piece to have. And I think if you give him more reps, more experience, more opportunities now, he's going to be a better player down the road because of it. He's somebody during training camp, you know, all of his teammates sing his praises. They say he works like he's a veteran. He's He's just so mature, he's beyond his years, and all of the different cliches the teammates say about their younger counterparts. But he is a really strong player who has stepped up for this team in so many different big situations. So I do think that that makes a lot of sense. And it's funny, it's it's basically like the load management conversation mm-hmm. that happens in a lot of different sports. And the Bills in some areas have been ahead of the curve. And I don't think that that is completely off base because they clearly want to make sure that they are healthy and fully ready to go when it's time for the playoffs, whether they're playing wild card weekend or whether they have a bye, whatever it really happens to be. And, you know, don't sleep on our good old friend Jake Kumaro whenever he comes back. Yeah, I I kind of wonder um, what if he gets back in the lineup um, because – Matt Breida essentially took Jake Kumaro's spot on special teams and, and everything like that. And Breida, Breida played a, a high percentage of special team snaps. And if he gives them a little bit different of a dimension to their offense, I think that that could break the tie. I mean, Kumaro is a really strong special teams player, so maybe they just go, okay, well, well, that's that's too good to pass up. But having that different element for the offense – um, it might be so, to something you can't really get over. But if they end up resting Cole Beasley, then it's it's kind of a moot point here uh, moving forward. But um, there's a lot of interesting ways to kind of go about it because now the Bills are at the point where Brian Dable, he, he took a step ahead of the curve with with how he how he uh, really analyzed what the what the team needed to do in this game and to stay a step ahead of their opponent. Now he needs to continue to be a step ahead, so that way they can maximize all of these different opportunities for them, all of these different offensive game plans, and then and then move it forward that way. But if uh, if that means kind of tinkering with personnel a bit, that's that's the way to go about it. So a lot of lot of different things to think about it. I, but those are my uh, my receiver takes that that uh, I had. I've been thinking a lot about it um, throughout the game and. And certainly um, after the game, I just just seems like there's there's more meat on the bone there than maybe they had been using, and with how things have been trending. And yeah, I think I think if they were to go about things that way, it doesn't have to be perfectly that way, but you know, kind of veer toward that way, then it could definitely suit them pretty well moving forward. And I think that the fact that we're talking about this is further indication of how strong of a game they played because last week we had a thousand things that we could have talked about with how much they struggled and this week they did everything that they were supposed to do that we can start leaning back towards the big picture conversations of not like the week-to-week individual matchups but more so the like how does this team get to where they ultimately want to go and that's a good thing because, you know, mm-hmm. until they're knocked off course, which is what you're ultimately hoping they won't be. I know that we, you know, hear the cliches so often, but the the one that is, I think, pretty relevant is like these these roads are often or like almost never straight lines ever. There's going to be weird things that happen throughout the year. And every single week we're proven that, you know, like look at the Dolphins losing or Dolphins beating the Ravens or the Bucks losing today or all the weird scores that happened around the league last week. Weird things in this league, man. Weird things. So the fact that we're talking about big picture conversations and once again the Bills pursuing what they ultimately are trying to pursue means that they took care of business today against a team they're supposed to take care of business against. And that's a good thing. Yeah, the last two weeks, legit in the NFL, have been the upside down from Stranger Things. Like, it, there's there's been a lot of weird stuff that's happened. Uh, you you alluded to a couple of them. The Bills, of course, losing to the Jags. Like these types of games that catch these teams by surprise. It's also the the time of year that those things will happen from time to time. And and yeah, it's uh it, it it's been pretty <laughs> pretty weird. Um, but I think the the bigger like before you get too into the weeds of like. Uh, 
what to do, load management, anything like that. The the biggest component is to make sure that you are stacking up the victories to get to the postseason. And and as long as you're in, and what is important to them is, you know, playing at home probably early on, and that's obviously winning the division. But they have to handle their business. But if, if they can cross off a lot of different things with a few different moves that are are logical and that makes sense, I think that would be the best thing for them moving forward. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Um, what'd you make of the uh, the running game today, Matt Bovey? Definitely better, more effective. Um, yeah, I-, I liked Matt Breda, and I think that he would have had a ton of praise or gotten even more praise than he's ultimately getting if it wasn't for the fumble late in the game. And he wasn't the only guy who let a ball hit the deck. Once again, Devin Singletary had one cough out of his hands. Now they recovered Singletary's. He actually recovered his own fumble. Those are concerns, legitimate concerns moving forward. And for me, especially with Singletary, because that has been a problem that he has had, you know, these last couple years, especially, I thought Zach Moss was fine. He had one very strong run that I remember where he looked like the guy that they drafted him to look like where he took on the contact and he had like an 11-yard gain. I think that it was. I did like the element that Breida brought to the offense because he does do some things a little bit differently than the other guys. It was it was more effective and that was good to see. And I don't know if it was if that's me giving praise to the running backs or if that's a direct reflection of Spencer Brown being back in the lineup or what exactly, where exactly I fall on that. It's probably a combination of a lot of different things. I think that, you know, Brita has earned a spot in the act, you know, in the 53 man roster, obviously, and in the game day roster also. So I liked it. I'm not going to say, like, the running game is fixed. Hooray. But I'm also not going to say, like, oh, it was a disaster. I think it was slightly above average. Yeah. The the offensive line definitely had a, a much better day this time around, and they uh, they were a lot more physical winning at the point of attack. There were some lapses, but but definitely did. I have a game for you, Matt Bove. I like games. I know you do. So... Uh, this is we're taping this at 10:19 p.m. on Sunday, um, and the snap counts usually come out the morning after, and you uh, and you you get to see exactly the usage of each player. But I go through and I track during the game because I'm an insane person. Yes. So if thank you for agreeing that I'm insane. Yes. Um, so out of 60 snaps total that I tracked, including penalties. If you had to guess the snap counts of the three running backs, mm-hmm. what would it be? Um, okay. Well, I want to make one thing clear to everybody who is listening, wherever you're listening. I am currently on the 90, driving <laughs> back to Buffalo, so I have no way of looking up any of this information. Shout out to our friend DJ driving in the front seat. I would guess that – so you said 60 snaps total? 60 snaps total. I'm going to give – 25 to Brita. I'm going to say 20 to Singletary and then 15 to Moss. So 25 Brita, 20 Singletary, 15 Moss. Yes. That's my final answer. Okay. I hope everyone's ready to hear Matt Bovee's mind blown. Oh, goodness. Zach Moss had 28 snaps and led the Bills running backs in this game. 
Devin Singletary had 24. Matt Breida, 8. 8 snaps in this wow. game. So it was not a three-way committee. It, it, uh, it only felt that way because Breida played on some pretty big plays where he had two touchdowns, had the fumble, and it made wow. you think he was on the field a lot more than he was. And, and this, is, this is what, and I, I wrote this at, at The Athletic, like the way that the snap counts kind of, kind of played out, it felt almost the exact opposite, the way that, uh, that you were seeing it unfold in front of you. Yeah, Moss led the team, led the runners in snaps today. 47% to Singletary, 40% to Matt Breida, 13%. Wild, right? You played me like a fiddle. Just an I absolute, did. you knew exactly what I, I was going to say, and you <laughs> knew that I was, uh, that's, yeah, I'm, that's shocking to me because right. Breida made the splash plays. Like, he was the guy who made mm-hmm. the big things happen. And, yeah, that's that's really, I, you know, the Zach Moss one to me is nuts too because I, you know, uh-huh. we sit next, we sit next to each other at the games, and I think Moss's first carry of the day was for no gain, and we talked about this so much in the last podcast. I think I looked at you and I was like, "Well, it's gonna be one of those days," and you were like, "Well, it's not his fault. That was a bad situation all around." But yeah, I didn't notice nearly. Mm-hmm as much of Zach Moss as I did of either of those other two guys besides that one strong run that I said earlier. Mm-hmm. Isn't it crazy how, how like the perception of a game shapes it and then you, you're like, whoa, what happened? How did that happen? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's I crazy. But I will say, I told you at one point during the game today, I said, Brian Dable must be listening to the pod because we talked on the last episode about getting Isaiah McKenzie involved and giving Matt Breida a chance because, quote, it couldn't be any worse. And, hey, look what happened. How many snaps do you think Isaiah McKenzie had? Um, I'll say 12. Oh, pretty good, 13. Um, so so you're right on there. Uh, but, yeah, the, the running back situation was just – a lot different than the perception was, and I'm sure you're you're not alone in because I obviously saw the stats or snaps as I was tracking them, but you're obviously not alone. I think a lot of people out, out there would have been like, "Whoa, Matt Breda playing a lot." Really wasn't. It's just those those big big plays, and that's why it's like, okay, it's a it went from a, a two man committee to a three person committee, but not really. It did and it didn't. So I think he was more just like a change of pace back. He showed like those flashes of what he can provide, um, which is a solid receiver, some good speed, uh, but he also showed flashes of what makes him inactive a lot of weeks, which is failure to take the lane upfield quickly enough and trying to bounce it too far outside and um, and then, you know, fumbling the ball, of course. So there there's some legitimate things that he doesn't do well. Uh, but that said, he does provide something that Zach Moss and Devin Singletary don't, which is pure speed. And I, I kind of like... The Bills need a running back that can that is like the combination of the three of these guys. And instead, they just have these three guys with isolated skills where Devin Singletary has the vision, Zach Moss has the power, Matt Breida has the speed. And like, it kind of feels like uh, Captain Planet when they're trying to merge all of the uh, different elements <laughs> to, to, uh, to create Captain Planet, to get Captain Planet to come and save the day. But... They just, they don't have a Captain Planet right now. Bovey, do you even know that reference? I don't even know. I'm sure people do not. I am standing here staring at the raindrops falling on this windshield wondering who the hell is Captain Planet. You've never heard of Captain Planet? I've not heard, I don't even know. I've never heard that ever in my life. So Captain Planet was like this uh, cartoon, this, uh, this blue guy with green hair that would appear after like all these different elements i think there was like uh earth wind um heart i think fire was one of them and the every single one of these elements played by these uh like young adults they would they would hold up their ring to signify their element when they put all five rings together it would bring up captain planet so right now it, it that that's that's the kind of concept like they have three guys who are trying to Bring on Captain Planet, but they don't have Captain Planet. Was I'm going to stop like, talking. Was this like one of those cartoons you watched in school when they rolled the TV in? 
No, that, it was like a legit show. It was a legit show that that uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna look up how long it was on because it. Uh, I was like a sponge. Was, I was like a SpongeBob guy. Rocket Power. Those were my Captain ch- Planet and the Planeteers. That sounds. It was on for it was on for six seasons from 1990 to 1996. Okay, so in my defense, I would have been four when the show ended. And did you know one of the one of the characters was voiced by none other than LeVar Burton? Really? Yep. Well, there you go. I uh, here we are. You know what the worst part about this is? In like two What's years, that? we're going to be taping one of these episodes after a Bills just dismantling of the Jets, and you're going to make a Captain Planet reference, and you're going to be like, "Do you know who Captain Planet is?" And I'm going to once again say, "I've never heard that word in my life." <laughs> so yes. So thank you for teaching me about Captain Planet for now. But in two weeks, I'll probably forget this conversation ever happened. There was another character that was voiced by Whoopi Goldberg for two years. Wow. Okay. Well, this is the place where they all got their start, apparently. And I there know was that, a villain, that's a joke, I know. There was a villain uh, that was voiced by Ed Asner, a, a villain voiced by Jeff Goldblum, a villain voiced by John Ratzenberger, who I think is the... He's, he's, yeah, he's the guy from Cheers and um, the, the pig from Toy Story. Were the villains like natural disasters or something? Uh, the eco-villains. Uh, yeah. Hoggish, greedly, verminous scum. Uh, they were <laughs> making... Some just, was just this, some great this, names. Is, this is a kid show, right? This is a kid show, yeah. And they're making children know what verminous means? Verminous scum. Well, that's the name of the, the character. That's the one that was voiced by Jeff Goldblum in season one, apparently. I can't believe any of this exists. You could. This could you need- all be made up. It's it's really not. It's really okay. not. I'm gonna I'm gonna text you a picture of the ring yeah. thing that that I'm that I'm talking about. Okay. Um, because you're you're gonna be like, oh, I get it now. But but yeah, this is a Captain Planet was very much a thing. Well, so, yeah. the more the more you know, I guess. Oh yeah, here's a picture <laughs> of Captain Planet. Wow, look at that. Right. That is like every cartoon from the '90s ever. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they wow. put the rings together, and and once they did, Captain Planet emerged to save the day. Nah, Power Rangers. That was cooler. Well, I was into Power Rangers too, but yeah, go go Power Rangers. Yeah, not not the uh, not the later year Power Rangers. We're talking like Mighty Morphin or Mighty Morphin year. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. First few first few years. Yeah. Those All right. Um, so yeah, the other thing that you brought up is <laughs> quickly back to the Bills. Uh, oh yeah, we were talking well, my, about the Bills. Oh my bad. Yeah. Not 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 very quickly. The running backs and Singletary to me is, uh, yeah. You brought up the problem of his that needs to be brought up, which is the fumbling. And he now, of all running backs in the league, no matter how many touches they have on the season, he now holds the NFL lead for fumbles for running backs in the in the in the league with five. His fumble rate, his fumble percentage is leaps and bounds. But for, for running backs that have touched the ball at least 25 times, he's he fumbles at 4.9% of the time, which is, I think, almost a percent and a half above the next closest. He is averaging a fumble once every 20.3 touches. All of these things are horrendously unsustainable. And the fact that he has gotten away with 100% of these fumbles is borderline miraculous. And as you also alluded to, Singletary, this is not the first time he's had fumbling issues. Last year, he was he was okay with it. His rookie season, he was right near the league lead in fumbles, fumble rate, and fumble percent. And I think the, the only person that that fumbled more than him in his rookie season was Chris Carson if I if memory holds correctly uh but still the the fumble rate was just not where it should be and in his rookie year it was way better than what it is right now I think he's probably almost doubled it to what uh to what he is now he definitely has more fumbles this year than he did during his rookie season so when you have a running back who is getting this lucky and you're giving him this much time on the field 
and he's fumbled it five times, eventually the fumbles will come to roost. Like they're gonna they're gonna get hit at an inopportune time when they're trusting him uh, to to not fumble the ball, and they're gonna get burned if they continue to give him as much time on the field. He needs to solve it. He needs to solve it yesterday. Still hasn't. A fumble every 20 touches is awful. And I don't really know how, like, some running backs get 20 touches a game. And he's he's averaging a fumble once every 20 touches. Like, what are well, we doing here? I mean, so I it's, mean, it's crazy. I mean, and this is the thing. Like, I bet of the three that we have mentioned, the guy they trust the most when it comes to that specific thing is Zach Moss. But Zach Moss might be the least explosive out of the three of them and that's mm-hmm. where they find them zach moss also has two fumbles by the way yeah i know that's what i mean like it's it's a bad problem to have and that's currently kind of the situation that they're in and i mm-hmm. think we talked about this last year or excuse me last week it's a sneaky need for this team moving forward like it is absolutely something that they probably will address in the offseason unless things drastically change during the second half of the year which maybe it'll happen but it's i mean if this team with like a legit bell cow running back would be very scary so you're saying they need captain planet i'm saying they need two other guys <laughs> so they can get everybody together to morph into captain <laughs> planet or whatever the heck we're talking about you're going to you're going to go and you're going to find an episode of captain planet and be like what were people watching in the 90s but you'll also be like oh wow this is friggin ridiculous um yeah as most as most things in my childhood were it seems yeah and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free you see this a family watching baseball on direct tv with no satellite dish in sight let's heckle them you call that changing the channel choke up on the remote buddy i hope getting all these games on direct tv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds direct tv has the most mlb games visit directtv.com claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher availability of rsn's varies by zip code and package high-speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, we haven't really touched too much on the defense. I figure we'll get into that in, in the awards section. So let's let's head over to the awards and yeah. just uh, hand the hand these bad boys out. Uh, let's let's start with the the negative stuff because there's far less of that throughout the game. So we'll we'll begin with the uh, the Dree Archer Award for the player that did not show up at all in this game. And uh, Matt Bovey, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you have the honors first and foremost. So somebody that did not show up at all in this game. Yeah, it's tough this week because basically everyone had a good game today. Yeah. Oof. That's a tricky one. Can you go mm-hmm. first and let me think about it for a second? Cole Beasley. Okay. Cole Beasley is the answer because he didn't really play much. He had two catches. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, he. And he didn't play at all in the second half. So maybe he's Vontae Davis. He might be Vontae Davis. I'm going to go. This is a little obvious, but it was also a little curious to me. And it was a question that I asked you before the game. I was surprised that Cam Lewis wasn't active today. Mm-hmm. So he's going to mm-hmm. be my answer, Cam Lewis, because they elevated him to the 53. And then they had, you know, Starla Tulele and the COVID list. And they had these opportunities where they could have played him. And that just surprised me a little bit. I thought they would have wanted to give him a look on defense or give him a couple snaps, and they didn't. So n- not to the fault of him or anything that he did. I'm just kind of surprised that he didn't play. Yeah, I, I was a little bit just because the Jets run a lot of four wide receiver stuff. Um I think they they looked at it as, as an opportunity to get Boogie Basham snaps. So, hey, be it as it may, yeah. Um, uh, you know, Boogie really didn't make much of an impact. Um, so maybe he's a candidate for this too. But but yeah, it's a uh, yeah. Well, uh, it's it's certainly something. It was a talking point at least heading into the game. I think I'm going to switch the Dre Archer award to Mike White 
just because god what a train wreck he was oh um yes yeah yeah uh he was very clearly they the bills basically did this the thing to to mike white as they did to taylor heineke which was hey look at this upstart backup quarterback maybe he has a future nope no he doesn't he's very limited only reads half the field and and if the first read isn't there then he panics or tries to check it down and if both of those aren't there then he definitely panics and he did all of those things they gave him different looks just really made him look horrible the entire game so you know Poor Mike White, but it, for for the people in New York that thought like he was the next big thing, like, come on, just watch film, see, look where he's looking. Like he's he's not even looking to the other side of the field when he's trying to play quarterback. It's just, uh, yeah, it's it's maddening. Some of the stuff that that um, some of the takes that get bloviated out there because people just don't do their homework. But hey, nice, nice be it may. Nice word. Bloviate? Yeah, nice word. I love that word. Well done. Um, all right, let's go with the uh, Vontae Davis Award for the player that didn't show up in the second half. I already took Beasley um, I, because got, he he literally did not play in the second half. I've got another receiver, and it was Emmanuel Sanders. And mm-hmm. that's yep. not, you know, once again, like I'm not criticizing Emmanuel Sanders. I think that was just kind of the way that it worked out. In the second half, I believe he drew a pass interference penalty. That's good. He had the end around for like a 24-yard gain. When I said to you, quote, he has this if he wants it. I don't know why I said that, (laughs) but I did. He did not have it. I'm sure he did want it, though. But, yeah, no, just wasn't nearly as involved in the passing game in the second half as he has been at times this season. I forgot about that he has this if he wants it. It was so stupid. It was a very, it was a, it was a very curious. As soon as I, as soon as I said, I'm like, why doesn't he want it? <laughs> I think it was me. So, yeah, I don't know what I, I don't know, I don't know. No, I. Said I that. Hey, spur of the moment. Um, yeah, I think I think he qualifies, especially because uh, only ten second half snaps for Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, had one of his lower snap counts of of the season at 37. Uh, Gabriel Davis had 31 in this game. And hey, look at that, Gabriel Davis with a little bit of a, of a game there. If you give him over 50% of snaps, how about that? Um, all right, let's go to the... God, I don't even know. The Gotta Watch the Tape Award. I will go with Ike Butker because there was a time <laughs> in this game... You go with an offensive lineman every week. Yes, well, there was a time in this game when I almost once again tweeted, yikes, Butker, because it's punny, and he had a bad rep. However, the line was significantly better this week than they were last week, and I think that's to the credit, obviously, of Spencer Brown coming back and them having better play on both ends, especially with Deion Dawkins once again. You know, he went out for the play. Tommy Doyle comes in. He gets destroyed, and they give up a sack. Ugh. And then you're like, oh, wow, once again. Like, they really need Deion Dawkins. But it felt like, as a whole, the unit was better. And it feels like as long as John Feliciano is out, this is going to be the group that they go with unless there's another injury. So, got to watch the tape to see how Ike Butker held up because of the five of them that are out there, he would be the weak link right now. Uh, I think the, tr- the, the spirit of the Gotta Watch the Tape Award, um, back when we first did it, was back for the, the Nathan Peterman thing. And some, like, I, I obviously have gone serious with it too. But I think the, the true spirit of it is like, okay, you know this thing is like, oh, I see you know something saying. to be true. But, but yeah, I'm not, like, I do the same thing as you for some weeks. So I'm going to go with so, something that satisfies the Nathan Peterman element of it. Like, hey, you know this to be true, but, hey, got to watch the tape just to be sure. Tommy Doyle on that huh. one snap. Yep. Oh, God, that was that was bad. And he's a young player, so you, you don't want to crush him too much. But Shaq Lawson just crushed him on that rep and just, it was not good. was not a good rep. And Doyle, you know, he's Gonna have to learn from that one, but he's not gonna see the field anytime soon unless it's a blowout like it was. Um, yeah, it uh, not great for Tommy Doyle on that one, but gotta watch the tape, gotta see what happened. Yep, exactly. Uh, okay, uh, let's go to the Matt Barkley Award for the thing that caught you by surprise. 
my thing that caught me by surprise was how long Josh Allen and the first team offense were still in this game. Because mm-hmm. I had Googled Davis Webb in like the third quarter, trying to figure out when he was with the Jets. And that tab just stayed open. And I just continuously was like, what the hell? When is this dude going to get into the game? Like, why are they still out there? And then they're taking deep shots. And trust me, as somebody who's always on the like aggressive effort side, just throw the ball and get your yards. I don't care. The defense can stop you if they want to, whatever. I don't care about like running it up or anything like that. I, I thought it was a little strange that they were out there for so long. It's like, let Davis mm-hmm. Webb get a couple chucks in, man. Let him throw it around the yard to Isaiah McKenzie and Gabe Davis. See what he's got. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't hate you, hate, hate that one at all. Um, I'm going to go with the, uh, the, the soda machine at uh, MetLife Stadium. Oh, wow. I know why. <laughs> Be- because they had a flavored seltzer water on there. Uh, they had they had a bubbly, and you know, some people like the Schweppes, some people like bubbly, some people like Lacroix, all of these different things. But you know, at least they had something. And I'm so used to seeing you know just pop soda every which way, um, and then one tab for water. You're like, well, I guess I'll have water because I don't I don't drink pop. Um, but seeing the uh, Seeing the the flavored seltzer water, I'm like, yeah, this MetLife's bringing it, and MetLife in particular, like the the Jets' food has never been great, um, and they brought it today. I thought they 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 did a nice job with it. So all in all, thing that pleasantly caught me by surprise, uh, the the MetLife press box situation specifically. At, at the soda machine. I would like to also give the soda machine an honorary Vontae Davis award because when I went there for the first time today, I was hoping to get a little bit of caffeine in the system because of said drive that we are on right now. Wanted to get as much as possible, so I wanted to get a Diet Coke. And when I went to fill my cup with Diet Coke, it was Sprite. And I was very upset, and it made no sense to me. And then I pressed the exact same thing three times, thinking eventually it would change. It did not. So when I needed that pop machine in the second half, it didn't show up for me. I'm very sorry for your loss, Bobet. It's, it's okay. I've had lots of coffee. Oh, uh, I, I can tell. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. The last award of the day goes to the Blaine Gabbert, Matthew Fairburn Award for Perseverance. Bovey, who do you got? Ed Oliver. He was great. The numbers won't show it, but he was so dynamic in this game. You know, Sean McDermott said after the game, you know, that he's really been proud of the way he is developed. And he sees like he feels like the fruits of Ed Oliver's labor are paying off and he is making an impact. So for me, it's him because he is just making big play after big play. He's exploding the middle of the line often. It happens several times a game now, and I think that lets everybody around him eat. So, for me, it's Ed Oliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go with Dane Jackson because he had to fill in uh, temporarily for Levi Wallace, who got um, a little shaken up. Uh, I think it was in the first half. Uh, played a few snaps, came away with a, a pretty big tackle to get the Bills' defense off the field. Um, and this coming after a game in which Dane Jackson played one play on defense after Tredavious White suffered a, a brief injury. I, I think he might have fallen on the ball or maybe the ball when he tried to pick it off hit him in a in a sensitive area, we'll oh. say. Um, I think that might have been what happened. Uh, but Dane Jackson was in on the next play and he bit so hard on a double move and Marvin Jones just toasted him down the sideline. And if it weren't for Tremaine Edmonds getting pressure on Trevor Lawrence, it would have been a touchdown. Like, it was a bad rep. So Dane Jackson gets the uh, Blaine Gabbert Matthew Fairburn Award for perseverance, for, for getting in the game and uh, putting together some, some good tape against the Jets. Well done, Dane Jackson. Well done. Well, well done indeed. And uh, we haven't mentioned this, but... You know, the, the Bills starting secondary, and I'm sure it's mentioned 9 million times by now, so you've heard it uh, uh, all of those times. But, yeah, the, the starting secondary, each of them getting a takeaway, that's a, that's a pretty uh, alarming feat for them. And surely one of those days that, that they'll remember uh, when, when they look back on the season. And Jordan Poyer absolutely knew that everybody else had forced a turnover 
until he got his. And he made that very clear in the press conference after the game and then proceeded to thank Mike White, which was pretty savage. Yeah, for the five turnovers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so maybe he, he was a candidate for the Perseverance Award, but no. Th- yeah, not. that'd be a stretch. Pro- probably not. Probably not. All right. Uh, I think that'll do it for us. Matt Bovet, any, any uh, fond words of farewell before you continue your journey down the 90? Uh, the 90 has never looked better. The pod started in Albany and we're, I don't know, Utica, I guess. I think. Utica. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Three hours. If I, if there's anything I know about Matt Bovet is that he's going to be dozing off in, in the passenger seat in about 30 minutes. No, I think I'm going to be a good friend. I think I'll probably step back in and start driving again. I drove to Albany, and I drove the okay. entire way down. So I think I've put in the work. Yeah, there's Exit 31 here. Coming to you live from Exit 31 in Utica. Um, <laughs> but wow. Yeah, no, wow. I'll probably switch on. I'm going to need another coffee at some point, though. <laughs> well, uh, good on you. And... and uh, Safe travels the the rest of the way, my friend. Of course. Thanks. Um, All right. So that'll do it for us. The next time you'll hear from me will be uh, on the pre-game, the the preview episode of the show as we get you ready for the matchup with the Colts. Hey, the Bills are finally at home. This will be, you know, they just got done with their four road game in five game stretch. So now they've got the Colts up next in what should be a a pretty interesting matchup. And and we'll get into that as we kind of uh, get the week going. So if you haven't yet, by the way, head to over to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat and be sure to get a discount on your yearly subscription. Again, that's theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat. So for Matt Bovet, my name is Joe Biscalia. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this post-game episode of the Buffalo Beat. And we will talk to you in the middle of the week. See you then.